Welcome to Paint Ed. PCA provides painting contractors with connections they need to grow their business. To find out more and to become a member, go to PCAPaintEd.org. Find more great content like this on PCA Overdrive. A subscription to the platform is included with membership. For all you non-members out there, sign up for our free trial. PCA Overdrive is available on the Apple Store and Google Play. In today's podcast, we feature audio from Brothers of the Brush with Chris Kerfoot. In this episode, Chris chats with Jonathan Graham based up on the edge of North Yorkshire. They discuss topics ranging from mental issues and going through the fire to hammer the impurities out, comparing themselves to surgeons and lessons in Yorkshire dialect. This episode is sponsored by 3M, Conquer, and PPG. Bastard. Hi, Bobcast family. Welcome back to another episode, episode number 24. Now the nights are drawing in and the weather is slowly turning against us. It's time for you guys to get those externals finished up. Although this week it's reported we should be basking in a heat wave. It's been an interesting week here at Bob HQ. So if all goes to plan, we should have some updates for you guys very soon. Now, before we dive in, I'd just like to say a huge thanks to those of you that have supported us to keep the Bobcast going via the Buy Me A Coffee. If you want to show your support, the link can be found at the bottom of the show notes. And we're hoping that as the summer madness dies down, we can find time to put some exclusive content out there for those of you that have showed us support. So, without further ado, let's jump into this week's episode with Jonathan Graham up in North Yorkshire. You know the drill... Pin back your lugs, get a brew, give us a listen. Welcome to this episode of the Brothers of the Brush podcast, a podcast by decorators for decorators, with me, your host, Chris Kerfoot. On this episode, we catch up with Jonathan Graham, not a million miles away from me, based over in York. Evening. Good evening. How are you doing? I'm all right, thank you. Yeah, good, good. Keeping busy? Yeah, trying to. Trying, trying to, to, yeah. trying to, um, trying to I'm, I'm trying to pretend that all of my jobs are in empty houses for some reason. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't well, know what's going on in the world, but yeah. <laughs> Well, hopefully, a uh, bit time this one comes out, uh, be something like back to normal. Uh, yeah, normal hopefully. hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> 28 days later. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I've, so, I've, got my, I've got my crowbar ready just in case. Yeah, it's not sort of walking dead. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, so, who's in the Graham household? So there's myself, my wife, Claire, um, I've got three children, uh, Jasmine, she's 16, and I've got uh, fraternal twins, my son and my yeah. daughter, yeah. <laughs> uh, they're uh, Joshua and Mia, and they're 13, um, and myself and my wife, we're also foster carers as well, so we're currently looking after uh, a brother and sister, um, Freddie is three and Lola is two, so there's seven oh, yeah. of us all together. 
Jesus Christ, you like yard work, it's, don't you? It's called being a glutton for punishment. That's what it is. I'm gonna, when, when you said three, I thought, well, that makes stuff awkward. Because when you go on holidays, you know, it's normally two plus two, isn't it? But yes. two plus three makes it expensive for a start. Jesus but Christ. Yeah, the, yeah there's, the logistics are all kind of wonky at that point because there's more of them than there are of you. Uh, and to top it all off, we, we've got another two as well. Yeah. So kind of especially like parenting and stuff like that. Uh, oh, I've man. got this kind of, it, it juxtaposes between kind of literally changing dirty nappies to um, dealing with uh, angst-ridden teenagers uh, and moody teenagers as well. Um, so, yeah, oh, everything in between. I've got, I've got that to come yet because my eldest 12. <laughs> she's, she's developing an attitude at the moment it's not a bad attitude it's quite funny at times but yeah i'm just hoping it doesn't turn out to be a bit of a crappy attitude i've been re- reintroducing my son in particular to harry enfield's the teenager because he's <laughs> so much kind of i hate you oh god that that's one of my favorite films is that kevin and perry Go large. Yeah, one of, <laughs> yeah. One of my favourite soundtracks, one of my favourite films. And on and mm. the DVD, it has all the outtakes from the yeah. uh, from the shows. <laughs> but the best ones where um, Perry comes back from Manchester. Oh, yeah, doing yeah. all... Yeah. yeah. Swaggering in. I think Cathy Bur- so, Burke's mint. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I'm originally from Manchester. I was born in Manchester, a place called Crumpson, Crumpsell, uh, just near che- Cheatham Hill. Uh, went to Abraham Moss uh, High School. Um, so, yeah, the the Manc accent is kind of in me. It's with yeah. me, uh, and I try and suppress it as much as I can. I can't fight it. <laughs> yeah. See, I'm, I'm from South Yorkshire, but I now live in East Yorkshire. Yeah, well, but... I'm, I'm a Lancashire lad living in Yorkshire, so it's kind of like being a double agent almost. Yeah, well, that, that's it here because uh, they just generalise everybody as whizzes. Yeah. If, if, if you're further than 10 miles out ten miles out of town, if you, haven't, if you haven't got a southern accent, you're a whizzy from West Yorkshire. Yeah. And yeah. I get classed as a whizzy even though I'm South Yorkshire, and it's some of the stuff I'll say, they'll be like, what? Yeah. <laughs> but it, it's, it's in you, isn't it? You know, the biggest thing for me was, yeah, well, the biggest thing for me was coming from Manchester to Yorkshire and Hull in particular, uh, because my dad remarried, was um, Manchester slang and yeah. like Hull Yorkshire slang is not yeah. the same. So like in Yorkshire, in Hull, 10 foot is like a back alley and larking is messing about, playing, messing about. Yeah. But in Manchester, a twat is an idiot. Yeah. But in Yorkshire, <laughs> they don't get that. Yeah. It's something completely see, different. I, I call a 10 foot a snicket. A snicket? I haven't yeah. heard that before. But here, where I am, because we're just we're about 15 mile out of all, they call it a ginnel. A ginnel? Yeah. Right, that's that's new to me. I didn't I didn't know that. But then you could go on the old fish cake debacle. And bread cake, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah, it's uh, some of the stuff I say that they're like, What? What's that? You know, they'll say, Oh, what are you malling at? So, what's malling? Crying, yeah, yeah, that's or not... you, you're mafted, you're, yeah, you're too you're hot, it. yeah, mafted, yeah. I'm too hot, I'm nithered, I'm cold, 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. But then again, all, all has different to us. Uh, they don't pronounce certain words. Like when they say old, there's no H, it's old. Yeah. You know, or it's, it's, cal- it's cold or it's warm. Are you yeah. going on road? Yeah. yeah. So when some, my, my brother, uh, I've got a brother and a half brother. So my, yeah. my brother Simon is two years younger than me and he's a joiner. And if he was here now, he would have a real quite pronounced whole kind of twang to his accent. Yeah. Um, so he's always like 999 and yeah. on road and cold yeah. and warm and stuff like that. Whereas I've t- tried really hard to not have <laughs> that um, with me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's funny. It's funny. The, the language and the words. Yeah, it's uh, there's, there's some accents I'm not a fan of, but <laughs> you see, <laughs> yeah, everyone to their own, isn't it? I, I don't like yeah. my own at times. So, so you you mentioned from Manchester. Is that where you started in decorating, or no? I um, yeah. So um, I was born in Manchester, moved to Hull um, ninety four, ninety five. So I was still at secondary school. Uh, went to Mallet Lambert Secondary School. Um, finished, uh, we, we, we had a family friend who was a decorator, um, and, uh, he, he kind of said, you know, would John, to my parents at the time, would Jonathan be interested in helping me with some work? It was an outside. Um, I thought, yeah, you know, a bit, I've got nothing else better to do. I'm a little bit curious about what's involved and um it kind of went went from there so uh from there i did my apprenticeship with um mark bealby who was my my first boss yeah um who was just a painter and decorator in in hull um and then from about halfway through my apprenticeship about 18 months um he couldn't uh, he didn't have enough work for me so i ended up going with a, like a medium-sized decorating company in hull at the time which was called johnson the decorators uh, it was a family-run uh business I, i'm not sure if they're still a, about not, now. not what i've heard of it seems to be dnd pit away uh used to be needless or light owlers mm. but i think they most with the uh, pitways Right. Okay. So, yeah. I mean, this is like twenty odd. This is twenty odd years ago when I was doing my apprenticeship. Um, so yeah, I, I kind of st- I went to Hull College to do my apprenticeship. Um, so yeah, it was it, it was kind of really Hull that I, I started uh, doing it properly. Yeah, brilliant. So, have you had any low points in business, or have you just been plain sailing? <laughs> um so i think i think mental health plays a big part especially well in everyone um but in particular when when you are self-employed and you work on your own um you get kind of (laughs) yeah yeah you get the you get the time you get the quiet moments to just get stuck in your head i can remember one job um uh it was just crushing um the the it was the depression it it was just a lack of motivation a lack of any type of willpower 
to do anything. Um, that that was that was really bad. That that yeah. was really bad. It, that I mean, that was at the time that I kind of decided to go and get some counselling as well. The, the, there was kind of external things that were happening in in my life that were making big big changes. Um, I was brought up very religious, and I was kind of transitioning out of religion to non-belief, yeah. uh, and just that had a big impact. And I was, I knew I was suffering, yeah, and I was finding it really hard. Um, but I kind of said to myself. If it started affecting my work, then I'd go and seek help. Yeah. And it was affecting my work really badly. Um, so I went and, and saw um I went to my GP and just said, Look, you know, I'm I'm feeling really down, lacking motivation. And they said, Look, you know, be open to counseling, go and, and talk about it. I did it and it was best thing you ever did. Yeah, I mean, it, it gave me, um, I mean, you have to understand, this was kind of a long time before, kind of social media and Skype and Zoom yeah. and Google Hangouts and stuff like that. You, you know, you didn't really have anyone to talk to about anything like that. Um, but it really helped. The, 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 the safe space a non-judgmental space to just talk about yeah. what you're thinking and what you're feeling, I, I think was, was it, it laid a foundation for me to know that when that came back again, which yeah. it does see the signs, I I've, I've got a mechanism to help me, um, to help me through it. Did, did you find your counsel was devious in the nicest way? As in, when you'd go in, they'd ask you how your week's been and they'd sort of lead you down a path. And then next thing you know, you're telling them everything. You think, you clever little sod, you've got everything out. <laughs> actually, the, conversation. The, <laughs> the funny thing is, in my case, there was actually quite a long waiting list for a, a fully qualified counsellor. So when I had my initial kind of meeting, they said, look, you're going to be waiting for a bit of time for a fully qualified counsellor to, to, to help you, but we've got trainee counsellors and they can see you straight away. Yeah. What, what do you want to do? And, and I was, um, well, I'm just happy to talk to anyone actually. Was, was that um, in Hull? Uh, say that again. Was that in Hull? Um, no, that was in Moulton at the yeah. time. This was after I got uh, from, so from Hull, when I got married, I moved to Moulton and, and that's the area that I've lived in ever yeah. since. Right. So I'm just wondering, because I was, uh, I was up at Skidby Mill at one point. <laughs> right. <laughs> but same thing. <laughs> yeah. So I just wondered if you'd been to the same place. Yeah. Yeah. It used to be Delapole years ago. I think yeah. you changed the name because there's stigma with it. Yeah. <laughs> it's skid me it, well it, now. <laughs> it, it helps. It helps. I'm not, um, I, I'm, you know, you end up saying, I'm not ashamed to say I'm open about stuff like this, but even the idea of feeling shame for your mental health, it's kind of like saying, I, I feel shame that I broke my arm. It's yeah. like, no, it's just one of those things that happen. Yeah. You, you, 
your mental health is as much of you as your physical health and you wouldn't you it, wouldn't feel bad if you cut yourself or, or broke I think something. there's a stigma that you're, you're weak you're weak if you've had mental health issues I don't think it is well, I, 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 I think it's every something breaks whether it's mental like I said mental physical something's going to break at some point yeah well I, I know I've used the analogy of uh, tempering metal you know, to make like a sword or something like that, is that it's it, it's actually a weakness if the metal doesn't go through the fire um, yeah. because all of the impurities are still in there. It's only yeah. until the metal goes into the fire and those impurities are hammered out that it becomes a stronger, more resilient, useful piece of equipment. Yeah. And I think the same way with your own kind of mental health and well-being is you have to go through that to 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 you carry on this tortured analogy uh, you've got to go through that hammer and anvil of mental health professionals even medication uh, self care self help to to recognize those um impurities in your own thinking yeah. and that they get hammered out and you become stronger and more resilient yeah. Uh, at the end, uh, after that process, and that and the sad thing, well, not the sad thing, but that process carries on because we've all got mental health, and it carries on with us. Yeah, some some people can bury it longer than others, I think, as well. Um, yeah, people deal with it different ways, and some can bury it longer than others, and some it just comes to the surface. I think it's a generational thing as well. I think we're fortunate to be, especially men, uh, of a generation where there's more avenues for us to talk about it. There's less stigma attached to men in particular talking about mental health. Yeah. And um, that there's more acknowledgement as well that, that men have issues, men have problems, and men, like with, with women as well, Men need a particular set of tools to help them reason things out. Yeah, in a productive way. Yeah, going back to working on your own. I know when I when I worked on my own, some days were black as hell. Mm. You know, because your mind just starts wandering, and you go over. You, it, it's like when you're on the job, like going back to what you were saying. You're not getting anywhere. You feel like you're pulling in mud, and you just feel like there's no light at end of tunnel. Yeah. Yeah, I, think I mean, I got, I got fired. I got fired. It's, I, I can, I can happily say that there's probably, in twenty years of working for myself, there's probably a handful of times that I've kind of got fired from a job, and yeah. and that was one of them. Yeah, but that was because I wasn't well. Yeah, basically. Yeah. So, on the opposite side of that, what's been your your best point so far? Then the ice bit. That you've had, um, I think one of the best points that I've had was having opportunity to teach the the trade. Um, I did teaching for about a year, about five or six years ago, over at York College, and yeah. that that came about. <laughs> There's a funny story to that actually. Glad that lies. What what I. I was on a job with a local builder who I do work with, and he had an apprentice. And there was one of the um, 
one of the external uh, kind of uh, observers who come and look at apprentices, make sure that they're not just the, oh, the sort of things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just got a chat to him. I said, you know, uh, it, I'm really interested in in pursuing something like that. Maybe not now, but further, uh, you know, uh, down the line. Um, how do I go about doing it? And the guy said, oh, well, you know, I'll, I'll have a word with, with my boss, the, the head of the construction uh, department at, at the college. Um, and it kind of went on from there. I kind of had a meeting with them. And it was funnily enough, they kind of said, oh, um, the, the guy said, oh, I, I knew you were a good decorator because you, I, I'd, had a, I'd come straight from work. I was working in York at the time. Come straight from work, and he says, oh, I knew you were a good decorator because your overalls were clean when you came to meet with us. Yeah. Um, and then from there, I kind of went through a kind of couple of meetings with the idea of that I would start off with, you know, um, learning to be uh, an assessor for the apprentices. Um, they had a meeting with me, had a chat, um, two weeks after that, I was taking a class with 15 students. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> and it was, I wasn't expecting it. It freaked me out and I loved every minute of it. Yeah. When, when you have opportunity to teach something that you're quite passionate in yourself, and you're knowledgeable uh, as well. Uh, and you realize that you're having to um, reduce this, this kind of whirlwind of knowledge you have, you know, drying times and yeah. uh, absorption rates of paint, stuff like that. But you're trying to refine it and you're trying to make it so that it's appealing to a class of 17, 18-year-olds. You, you, you kind of think, Bloody hell, what have, I, what have I put myself in for here? Yeah. So you'd be lucky if you had two that were interested in all that then, wouldn't you? <laughs> well, actually, I was quite... I, I, to, to be honest, it was, probably, it, it was probably one of my mistakes going into it was that I went in kind of... I'm teaching painters and decorators to be painters and decorators, blah, blah, blah. Like an idiot, I was naive. And towards the end, I, I, th- I think there were two of the students that I had who went on to um, do their apprenticeships. And I, I'm not sure what happened to them after that. But I think towards the end of my time kind of teaching, I realized that really I was teaching them life skills more than anything. Yeah. Kind of the aspect of um, uh, professionalism, uh, an eye for, um, eye for detail, timekeeping. Um, and also that recognition that at some point, all of them will be painting a room in their house that means something to them. Yeah. My, my, the, the best room that I've ever painted, hands down, was the first bedroom for my oldest daughter when she was, before she was born, because it meant so much to me. And I kind of, oh, maybe maybe the naivety continues <laughs> even now, but hopefully at some point, all of those students will have painted something 
a door, yeah. a room, and they'll go, oh, I know how to do it properly because Jonathan, I can remember Jonathan saying, you know, you cut your lining paper on an external corner like this and not like this. Yeah. So I know how to do it. Um, so I think that was one of my biggest privileges and probably one of my, my greatest kind of professional high, uh, high points as well. So are you still not teaching now then, or have you given up on that? I've given up on that just for the moment. It is something that I'd like to pursue maybe <coughs> later <coughs> later down the line, um, but um, I'll, I'll just see kind of, kind of where it goes. Yeah, brilliant. So <coughs> where do you see yourself in five, ten years then, leading on from that one? <laughs> well, <laughs> Apart, you know, kids. Me, oh, no, no, um, n- not after a vasectomy. If there's any more kids, they're not mine. I've, I've had that. Uh, I know that. <laughs> um, I mean, maybe the teaching. Um, so on kind of social media, um, it, it's it's probably my slight claim to fame. And I'm not 100% sure of this, but I think I was the very first decorator on Twitter. That is my claim to fame. Yeah. So when Twitter, when Twitter first came out, um, like 10, 10 11 years ago, something great. like that. Uh, yeah, something like that. Yeah. So there were lots of like interior designers, but whenever I like put in the search bar kind of painter or decorator, there was just nothing at all. So... I think the first kind of hundred posts that I ever did was pictures of how to paint a door properly or how to paint a window properly or stuff like that. It's always been kind of educational, kind of, yeah. you know, the kind of nerdy, geeky stuff that my kids laugh at me uh, even now. But I would like to, <laughs> I, I would like to carry on with that kind of educational kind of thing, whether it's teaching or more kind of online tutorials. Yeah. Uh, and out, outside of that, it would probably be, I've just got into more uh, spraying and things like that. So it'd be kind of furniture spraying, kitchen spray, more bespoke quality kind of pieces. Yeah. Um, that, that's something that I'd, you know, over the next five or 10 years, I, I'd like to go down more. So did, so if you've been on Twitter from the beginning, do you understand, you must obviously understand it. Oh yeah, I'm completely, I'm completely in the tweeting. Yeah, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm brilliant with technology. I don't mind a lot of stuff, but I find Twitter so much hard work. You know, following, following a thread of a conversation. Yeah, yeah, I think it depends on what you use it for more than anything. So, especially with social media, um, I. I don't use Facebook uh, at all, um, either personal or work. Uh, but for Twitter and Instagram, I tend to use Twitter solely as um, like a networking platform to speak to other painters, decorators, uh, companies, and things like that. Yeah. Whereas Instagram, I tend to use more as like a portfolio of work. So the the pictures that I post on my um, on my profile are the best pictures that I've got yeah, on my phone. Shot. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, because what I've done is on my business card, I've got the um, uh, the link to my Instagram profile. So I give a business card to someone who asked me for a card, and I just say in passing, there's the link to my Instagram page there. Go and have a look. You know, maybe the standard of work that I can do kind of meets with the reality of what you're wanting to have done. Um, so I kind of use it as a as a, a particular kind of thing. But I found recently I'm starting to use kind of Instagram just a little bit more for kind of stories and videos and things like that. Yeah. You ventured into TikTok yet? No, no, I'm t- I'm too old for that. I'm too old for TikTok. By the time that I get into TikTok, there'll be something else. My, my twelve-year-old daughter says, "I oh, know this song because it's on TikTok." Like, okay. uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. My um, my my um, my kids are the same as well. My youngest daughter Mia is determined to get TikTok famous, whatever that is. Yeah, my six-year-old wants to be a YouTuber. He's got. He's, got, <laughs> he's actually got. It, at Christmas, he says to me, "When I'm sixteen, I'm going to be a YouTuber." And not thinking, mm. I says, why are we only 16, little man? He says, well, that's all. I said, no, I can do it now. So he had me setting him up, and he's, he's got about five videos on there at the moment. But he's, yeah. you know, he's, and <clears throat> where me and Donna and my daughter, we're not, we're not like out there and confident, confident, but my little mm. lad, Jesus, is cheeky, but in the nicest way. All yeah. the mums at school love him. Uh, and he's, he's doing these videos, and he's like, smash that bell, uh, smash that subscribe button, ring that bell. I'm thinking, where's he getting it from? But all he does, he'll, he'll wake up in the morning, 7 o'clock every morning, as his alarm set, and he'll spend an hour watching YouTube when he's not school. Yeah. You know, that's it's just absorbing it like a sponge. I'm thinking, he come down, out first down this morning, then he come down behind me, dressed, went and sat watch, watch YouTube for now. It's like he's learning it. And taking it in and spending an hour a day absorbing it, and it's it's oh, yeah. to watch at six years old. Yeah, you know, I'm thinking, but that's all they're going to know, isn't it? The, the, they're of that generation. I'm of yeah. the generation where you know, um, I my first computer was my dad's uh, BBC. Yeah, oh. uh, with uh, I can remember playing Elite on my my dad's BBC. Listen to yeah. Prince on a cassette deck as it slowly ran out of batteries. So listening to yeah. Purple Rain as it kind of slowly would boo I, I remember being at school on uh, BBC computers. You'd spend half hour your lesson typing data in or data, as they called it, just yeah. to, get it to do this thing where it went across screen like that. You think, whoa, that was cool. Yeah, all the coding and stuff like that. Yeah. And, and, but, you know, our kid, our kids are of the the generation where, you know, social media, Facebook, yeah, it, yeah, you know, Facebook, Instagram, everything's instant, and, um, you know, it's it's if, this idea of kind imagine of, them waiting for a ZX Spectrum or a Commodore sixty four game to load now on because that thing where it's going like a fax. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, and then it crashes halfway through. Uh, yes, I had that quite a few <laughs> times on a Commodore 64. Imagine, imagine your kids having to do with that now. They'd be like, what? <laughs> well, it's just, uh, well, the funny thing is, though, all the retro gaming stuff is, like, coming back. Like, my, um, my, 
my son uh, Joshua wants to get a uh, an original Game Boy, and so the, all the old stuff's coming back. There's a lot of crossroad for me as an online thing called Push Button Gaming, right? And it puts these bundles together: uh, Nintendo sixty four, SNES, mm-hmm. Mega Drive, Master System. And they've got all the games like Zelda and that with it. I mean, I was yeah. never into it, but I recognise games. I'm thinking, are people buy these now. Oh they yeah, stuff like that. Well, it's kind of my generation because I'm 38, I'm yeah. 39, uh, the end of May. So it's all my generation who are a bit more um, got a bit more money yeah. and and want to relive their their youth. Yeah. With, with me, it's all it's all Games Workshop and uh, Warhammer 40,000. Models and stuff like that. <laughs> Not Dungeons and probably... Dragons, are you? <laughs> oh, yeah. oh yeah, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Look, they were like when I was at school. They were the proper geeks, the Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, well, the, I, I'm a proper geek and a proper nerd. Yeah, <laughs> I, I was, I was, I was doing geeky stuff before um, uh, Superman made it cool to do it. If you, if you're into like modeling and stuff like that. Uh, Henry Cable, who plays Superman, is mm. a big geek as well. And he posted on his Instagram that he's painting models and, and stuff like that. So, you See, know, I, I, I was doing it before he made it cool. We, we was that when I was at school, we were like one of them cheesy American films where you had the poplars of this. We were the, I was one of the heavy metal lot with long hair. Nice. You know, I like it. Up. Yeah, we, we were that <laughs> lot. There, there was about, I think in our whole school, there was about eight of us. We used to stand on stairs at Science Block. We we were like, I suppose now, I think it's even past now, but there would be emos, whatever they call them. Yeah, now. yeah. You know, but we were the heavy metal lot, and then you'd have the geeky bookworms, like, no disrespect like you are. Then you'd have the popular kids in the fire trousers, you know, stuff yeah. like that. And you'd think, oh, you know. <laughs> but it's interesting to know you're a geek. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely, through and through. <laughs> so... If you could go back to your, to your younger self and give yourself some advice when you were first starting out, what would it be? Um, wash your hair with that German shampoo that's got coffee in that kind of keeps your hair nice and strong. Piece? Yeah, something like you that. Yeah, I'm well ahead of you. <laughs> this uh, new LED spit light in here ain't doing me any favours, is it? That would be that would be my, my big thing. Look after your hair, you bastard. Um uh, I think a piece of advice is um, w- probably whatever you do, have passion in whatever you're doing. Yeah, have an interest in in it. Don't don't just don't just think of it as a nine to five job, um, yeah. but really take an interest in it. Because if you're not interested in it, you'll get to your thirties, forties, fifties, and just think. I've I've wasted you know I've wasted all this time, yeah. Um, and and again, like going going back to what I was saying, like previously, kind of mental health and well being plays a part in that. I I know of quite a few, you know, older tradespeople as well who just feel as if kind of life is that they've been stuck in a rut for thirty forty years. They can't do anything different, and you know it. it plays a part on the way that they think and feel about themselves and their own worth and their own value. Yeah. I've, I've had spells where I've hated my job. Uh, I had a couple of years just before I started a Facebook group uh, that were 
that was a few years after I'd seen a counsellor. Uh, the group's mm. been a bit like my counselling. Uh, yeah. But I've had spells where I hated it already for chucking it in. And then I think with the help of the group, uh, the Facebook group there is not some alcoholic anonymous sort of thing. Um, it sort of <laughs> reignited my passion for it. And I think that's the good thing about social media now. It's it's like a, a tornado that draws you up. Yeah. The, the best analogy I can, I can think of. It draws you up and it's like, it draws you up in a whirlwind. You're wanting to up your game all the time and it's taking everybody with it that wants to go with it. You know, yeah. you're sort of raising your game all the time. Yeah, it, and that's what it, gives it, you the buzz. Yeah, it's it's funny that actually, because I know I did a video on, on Twitter um, where you can find me on JG Decorator. Please subscribe and press that bell for <laughs> notifications. Um, where I... I said kind of something similar to that, but almost like the um, the way in which we present ourselves on social media, that it will always be like the best pictures or the best piece of equipment or, or yeah. e- everything like that. And it's that recognition that, yeah, I might be taking this picture and it's absolutely perfect, but my eye is drawn to that bit over there that's terrible. Yeah. We also get on show- people's pictures. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm not showing you that bit. And it was really interesting because I had a further like conversation and people were sending me messages just saying, like for some uh, tradespeople who uh, it, it seemed to be at both ends of the spectrum, either they were just starting out or they were like in the 50s, 60s, uh, and they were saying, you know, I don't have the money to get all of this stuff. Yeah. Um, so I feel really bad. I don't feel that my work is good enough or up to everyone else's standard because everyone else's standard seems to be way, way above mine. Um, and just social media can play a really good positive part in kind of upping everyone's game. I have learned yeah. so much from learning from other people. Uh, but recognising as well there's that other side of you kind of scrolling through your feed and it's just like perfect picture, perfect picture, yeah. perfect picture. And then you look at your own work and you go, well, well that's crap, isn't it? I, I, <laughs> I, I've been doing this for 20, 30, 40 years and yet I can't paint straight or there's dust. Yeah. On my, I've, I've just spilt paint everywhere. I've, I've made an apprentice mistake. Nobody puts the shitty photos on. <laughs> no, no. And to be honest, I mean, I think it's something that I'm gonna, I'm gonna do actually. Is um, like every once in a while, put a shitty picture and go. You know what? This isn't good enough. I, I could have done better. I, I, I could have American podcast it. that did that. It says, look, you're better off sometimes putting a photo of where you've cocked up because we all cock up. Yeah, a picture on where you've cocked up. Said, look, we've done this. We've cocked up, but here we are. We're putting it right, and we're not charging customer. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I, th- I think that's, I, that's probably a good way to go. I, th- I think it shows as well for those within, like, within the construction industry. Most people in the construction industry, they're not on social media. They're not posting pictures. They're not doing videos. They're not doing reviews of products. Even within the the very niche kind of slither of people who do 
post stuff online, it, it's very rare, you know, that there'll be individuals who post reviews of videos and stuff like that. I do think it's it's kind of important to 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 kind of show that you are human like everyone else that you do make mistakes um because you know for for whatever reason the weird algorithm uh, you know classifies you as being an influencer whatever that is <laughs> um and so people end up yeah. looking at you and going is, is that, i hate the term influencer just because there's so many now that just want to it's like the fast highway to fame and this, the claim to be an influencer where all they're doing is regurgitating other people's material. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's, it's not original stuff they're using. You just think that ain't influencer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it can be really difficult, but you know, when, yeah, it, it, it's hard because when you do kind of raise your profile, through kind of videos or posting reviews or doing something like a podcast, you know that there are other companies out there who will end up getting in contact with you and you, you do end up raising your, your profile. Like, you know, like D- I mentioned... Disc- disclaimer, uh, I'm yet to have that happen yet. <laughs> well, same, same with me. I'm ju- I'm just Nobody, nobody's contacting me over the podcast. <laughs> yeah, could you just move that diamond necklace because it's just glinting in the camera? I can't. That's me, fairly <laughs> white. Say. Just paid for. <laughs> yeah, and that diamond necklace that says uh, "Purdy for Life" is really off. Off. No, no, he likes it. Won't be Purdy. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you end up. You know, it, it, it's it's getting that balance right. Yeah. It, it, it is. It, it's getting yeah. that balance. And yeah, go ahead. So, other than Twitter, is there any, any app or program you couldn't live without, or any tech? Actually, um, I was uh, I was thinking about this. There's two apps that I probably recommend. They, they pretty much do the same thing. Uh, one is the um, it's the both the Dulux products, and I, I think it's really helpful when you're like on a quotation. Or, or pricing up a job. Uh, one is the the Dulux Visualizer, and the other one is the Dulux Paint Expert, which is more for tradespeople. Yeah. And um, on it, you have this um, live visualizer or the photo visualizer. Wait, it changes the color to of the room to what yeah. you want. Sort of. Yeah. Yeah, it gives you a sort of idea of what it's going to look like. Yeah. So. Um, I, and I'm going to have a little bit of a rant after I've said what I want to say. Um, those two kind of pro- those two apps work really well. One, you can you can recommend the retail friendly version to your clients, and then the, the the trade version you can keep for yourself. But the retail one, you can you can say to your clients, uh, as I do, look, download this app, and experiment with different colors you know it doesn't cost you what the app is free it doesn't cost you anything in kind of sample pots or anything like that see what different colors look like then once you've narrowed the kind of spectrum of colors down to maybe two or three go and purchase those sample pots there 
Yeah. Saves you a lot. It saves you a lot in time and money and traveling. Um, you know, this is when all kind of shops are open <laughs> and things like that. <laughs> um, but that that's really helpful. Yeah. And my my rant, my rant is I want to see more paint companies with their um, their color swatches digitized on an app for decorators. Faro and Ball, it is 2020 now. Get your act together and get your 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 colors digitized. We all know that on the screens. It's not going to be a perfect representation of your colour, but it's so much easier and it's so more cost-effective. Instead of me having twenty-five of you, uh, of their like colour brochures in, in in my van that just end up getting coffee spill on them, I don't want to show that to a client. <laughs> but if I've got a nice clean iPad and I can just hear the colours, please, for the love of the decorating gods sort this out all of you paint <laughs> companies get your your color cards digitized do make work. them an app and do it i think tiki have them on website but it'd be handy if they're all in an app where you could I just, just want, have a folder yeah. on your on your device and you could click on tiki benny moore's johnson's yeah. and it just brought or just bs4800 brought all the colors up it, you know, it, it'd be so handy it it, it, it it costs them very little, and they gain so much from it. In, or, in repu- or if they had the, you know, the digitizer, the digital one, that about three hundred quid. Yeah, if you could zap something. I know Dulux have got one out, but it only brings their colours up. Yes, if you could get uh, one that yeah. could zap anything, and a universal one, nearest match up in every brand that's in this country. You that's know, what or I want. they could submit a bit like we we use. Uh, we I can't count sometimes. <laughs> no, no, it's quid to an audit. We always call one called uh, my fitness pal. Mm. And basically scan the barcode, it brings all up the nutrition info and everything. Yeah. Something but it's obviously companies that have submitted it, their information. Yeah. It'd be nice to have something similar with paint. Where you could put it in, you know, you could scan it and it brings it near its colour up. I mean, I've I've just resprayed this desk and everything the other week. Uh, it's a fire and ball colour. Uh, I think it's pitch black, off black. Filing cabinet next to me. Can't get the paint made up for that because it were a, a certain paint. Can't mix in fire and ball. There's a website you go on, put in fire and ball. What colour is it? Tells you it's Ralcode. Yeah. Ralcode. Yeah. The side beside here, you can hardly tell the difference. Yeah. You know, why can't we get something like that in a handheld device? That Yeah. I, I think, you know, I, I think for a lot of the the type of decorators that we are you know we're willing to use kind of modern technology and modern devices we're running a business not just doing a job you know <laughs> you know it, it, it makes sense to to do that yeah so um, make it easier yeah. for us so we buy their products well that, that's the thing it, it, yeah. it, it makes them money at the end of the day if it's yeah. If it's easier for me, the thing is, the, the Dulux app is fantastic. It, like you said, it, it does what a client wants it to do, but they're then going to buy a Dulux colour. Yeah. 
they're going to go, oh, I like that colour. I want it in a Dulux paint. The range of Dulux paints are good and bad. I'm being quite um, diplomatic here so as to not kind of upset I, I, I get, I get what you're saying. It's, I don't think there's any brand that's got a full arsenal of kit that's got the perfect paint in everything. It's mix and match. Oh, Farrow and Ball have it, definitely. <laughs> and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not <laughs> talking to Oaks. I've, I've spoke to them at the show. I wouldn't say the paint's rubbish. It's just, it's, it's not rubbish paint per se. It's the stuff better for the same money or the yeah. stuff as good for less money. It's, it's where they are in the market. You know, there's, what? You, you can buy stuff. I mean, bloody Glidden's were good gear. Yeah. You know, the well, Glidden Jawable and Armstead Jawable, that would probably go gear at one point. I, I know with particular kind of uh, 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 pieces of, of equipment or particular brands, on the rare occasion that I get some freebies and they want to, to ask me to do a review, um, I, I kind of um, have three separate categories the DIY side of our, of, of painting and decorating, which is a, a large um, kind of section. There's the trade, and then there's the specialist. Yeah. You, you, you know, your you, you proper high-end kind of finishes. And for all the pieces of equipment, all the brands of paint, there is a place in which all of those kind of reside. For the yeah. DIY... The less you know, the the uh, cheaper brands you might say work perfectly for uh, someone who's doing DIY. You know, a, a a cheaper range of brushes and rollers and paint are just what they want, and it's perfect for them. For the trade, it wouldn't be, but there's a range of like equipment and and products within the trade. But then again, within the specialist. Um, you know that the, the, there would be stuff that that just won't be good enough um, yeah. for specialist painters and, and decorators Eight, and finishes. A, a brush at eighteen quid. <laughs> I had twenty. I think twenty five. I paid. I think that's the most expensive one I paid. Twenty five. Yeah, that was a Worcester. Um, it was a three inch Worcester Alpha Worcester Pro brush. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the Ultra Pro is a pretty good brush. Yeah. Yeah, up there, one of my faves. Um, so, are you a bookworm at all? Do you read books? Are you? Yeah, as, as um, my geek credentials kind of uh, um, warrant that I, I have to I have to read books, otherwise I lose my geek and nerd status. Yeah. Um, there's a couple of books I could recommend, actually. Painting, um, colour and painting, decorating ones particular. Um, so there's one called The Anatomy of Colour by Patrick Batten. Yeah. That's, that's really good. That goes through like the history of the trade and in particular kind of the historical context of colour charts and paint and things like that. I mean, it's a big, thick tome, but... An yeah. excellent, excellent read. Yeah. Um, another one with that is um, a book called Colour, The Natural History of the uh, Palette by, Victor by Victoria Finlay. That deals with the actual components of paint itself, the, the kind of 
where originally all of those kind of ground pigments come from, a bit of a, a romantic uh, history uh, chronicling the, the journey that a lot of these original pigments went on to, to get to the places of quote-unquote Western civilization. So, yeah. you know, kind of pigments that you would find in Iran or China, Africa, and how they slowly migrated their way up to places like Rome or London uh, and eventually to the Americas. Uh, really fascinating. Um, and outside of that, Star Trek, Star Wars, Warhammer 40,000, you know, <laughs> any comics. Proper geeking out now, aren't we? <laughs> I am. Um, and if right, so I get if you're really interested in proper kind of highbrow sci-fi, um, I'd probably go with the Dune series um, by Frank Herbert. That's spectacular. I, I remember the film with Sting. Yeah, well, the read yeah. the the yeah, it's it's good that yeah. Um, and then there's because I'm into Games Workshop and model making. There's a book series called the. The Horus Heresy, which is pretty decent. Um, yeah. I, I won't geek out too much. I'll show you from the worst. <laughs> I, I, I think we found a match for Scott Barney. Yeah. Scott Barney likes to geek out on certain. <laughs> I think we found a match here. <laughs> yeah. So what's the best advice you can give for selling yourself? What sets you apart from others? Um, I, I think having confidence in, in yourself and your own ability is probably a big one. Um, and probably little things like have a good business card, you know, make, make you know, make sure that it pops, make sure that it, it, it's of a good quality. Um, it's the thing that probably most tradespeople have, but just, um, I think they're having a bit of a resurgence because I never got asked for one for years. Don't know if it's because nobody wanted it. So crap, <laughs> uh, but everything we digital. And then now I've, about two years ago, I started getting asking for a spate of them again. So I, had a load, I was running out. I think yeah. I had five, 500 made, and it lasted me about four years. Mm. Uh, I think I had about 1,000 made. Yeah. A year, a year ago. I think I'm down yeah. to about 500 now. Yeah. Because it seems to be the thing to ask for cards again, whereas they uh, disappeared from yeah. there at one point. Yeah, and I think stickers as well. It's I, I haven't got into the sticker thing, but... <laughs> I hear the um, like yeah, the sticker swap is is really popular. Yeah, I've been there. Uh, <laughs> but but it, it's probably. I mean, we're all aware of the big things. You know, having your van sign written, having good, clean kind of workwear. Yeah. Um, Brand awareness, I, I know, isn't it? Brand yeah, awareness, logos. Yeah, and I think it's the. I think it's recognizing that not only are we doing a job, but we're running a business as well. Yeah. It's kind of that business aspect of what do we need to do to make our business more known and noticeable, whether it's kind of social media, uh, the different platforms and the way that we present ourselves on there, whether it's uh, being known locally in the local community, developing good relationships with local contractors um, and also contractors who aren't decorators you know, having a, a, a good relationship with local uh, plasterers and joiners and builders, recommending them, and hopefully uh, they will recommend us uh, as well. Yeah. So 
What's your favourite product currently? Brush paint materials. Okay, so I'm just getting into spraying. So I recently purchased the um, the QTEC Q3 um, sprayer. Oh, the HVLP. Yeah. yeah. So I quite like that at the yeah. moment. Um, it 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 made its money back on two kitchens. Yeah. Let's put it that way. Um, but yeah, I've just recently, I kind of specifically bought that for um, that type of work uh, in in my workshop. Uh, I recently used it on on site uh, on a whole stairs and landing. A um, little bit tricky to kind of use. I need to get a whip hose for it to make it a bit more. Yeah, a bit flexible. Uh, Does it not come yeah, with a whip what, hose? Uh, the Q, the 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 five does that yeah. comes with a whip hose, but the three doesn't. Um, uh, so that's one purchase I'll probably get for it. But yeah, I'm 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 quite liking my spraying at, at yeah. the moment, and I'm a I'm a spraying novice. Yeah, I I know, I know I know where to put the paint and where to point it, and that's it. Yeah. Um, but it's yeah, so far. <laughs> it is what it's a bottomless pit it'll be one machine after another now <laughs> yeah yeah i got the the first one that i got was the um the graco handheld yeah <clears throat> and <laughs> it's been it's been good it's yeah. can be a bit temperamental yeah you know occasionally you want to you want to kiss it and make love to it and other times you just want to smash it with armor um, I think that, especially I think, when the pump goes. I think a lot of the problem was the marketing, because you yeah. had you had people giving it big leaks. I'm spraying this out, doing this, and then people had bigger expectations of what they could use more when they bought it. And then when it didn't yeah. live up to its dream, they got slated. Yeah, I think that was a problem with them. For me, eight foot square garage door. Out bigger than Perfect. that, you're pushing it. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. they're, they're a touch-up machine. Odd front yeah. door, you're in an house, join the bangs a bit of skirting on in a room. It's, it's easier to load that up, you know, nip route room than it is to, you know, cart your big 495 out and put a gallon of paint in to get it fired up. And, you know, they're handy but, for that. But you see people smashing ceilings out and just think, somebody else is going to buy one thinking, yeah, I can go through, smash every ceiling out and it's yeah. going to die. I mean, I, I I would I would actively recommend it. I mean, I recommend it now. Yeah. But I would recommend it more if the replacement pumps were a lot cheaper. Yeah. I in my mind, um, I I don't know if you watch uh, Peter Millard, the ten minute workshop no. on uh, YouTube, uh, but it, it, he he had he did a series of videos uh, about it. And uh, I think subsequent to that, I must have posted something and we had a quick conversation. Um, and I, I know my big thing is either make the pumps better quality that they last longer or reduce the price of the pumps. Because yeah. at like 170 quid for a replacement pump, it's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. If it, between 60 and 100, fine. I can incorporate that. You know, I can have several spares then. It, it doesn't yeah. matter that much. But... At that price, it's it. 
it doesn't work well for a professional. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's, would you say your spray's been your best investment so far? Uh, actually, no. Um, with with the lockdown period in the UK just at the moment, I um, I've had extra time to um, do a couple of odd jobs, and it's it's taken me. I'm not kidding. Eighteen, well, at least a year since uh, since we started looking after our foster children. It's taken me a year to kind of rack out my van how yeah. I want it. Um, so I, I posted a, a video on uh, my uh, Instagram feed uh, of now that it's all done, the kind of the grand reveal. I've got all my sustainer boxes with all of my gear in and. I've got a small Citroen Berlingo van. Yeah. So space is at a premium with it being a smaller van. So I've got specific places that, you know, I've got a, uh, a place for all of my cork. I've got a place for my PPE. I've got a place for, you know, this, that, and the other. Uh, and I got it all done. Yeah. And I am so happy because I've got a place for everything now. I think man's normally win the first month of buying a van have a weekend. I think yeah. that weekend pays off. People say, God, look at back of your van. Somebody yeah. once laughed at it, a friend of mine. I said, well, I know where everything is. It's, it took me a full weekend, about 120 quids worth of timber, I think. Yeah. And it's that, yeah, it took me two eight-hour days, but it saves me that over a year. When you're going yeah. in rummaging through for some, I know corks there, then brushes are there. That's there. That's yeah. their place for everything. Everything in its place. As I, I as think it as well. Yeah, and I, I think as well with um, like there's there's always this conversation about like how much should you charge for a job? You're worse as a as a decorator. Um, you know, uh, I think it's quite well acknowledged that within within the trades, painting and decorating is is the lesser paid, you know, per hourly rate than than the rest of the trades. And it, it's something that I would like to see change, yeah. um, mainly because I get more money. <laughs> I, th- <laughs> but, I think it's slowly. You know, I think this, the opinion of decorators, hopefully, from what I've seen, is is slowly elevating. Yeah, it could do we elevating quicker, but it's, it's it's changing because years ago it'd be a bit of scrap, dust brushing, and scraping your back pocket, and yeah. you, you speak I, I to mean, other trades and like, oh, decorators, I mean, carry bag full of Stella. That's yeah. it. That's all they think you do. Uh, now we carry our stellar and sustainer boxes, which is a lot more <laughs> circumspect. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, I mean... Stellar sustainer, I'll have to dream that one. That'll be uh, <laughs> Tom, Tom Holloway, Holmesby Holloway. He's a stellar man. Oh, t- yeah, Tom, yeah, Tom would, yeah, um, yeah it, Tom it, would have all of his stellars. He, he needs a sustainer, a, a sustainer with uh, the old stellar. <laughs> yeah but I, I mean it's like if you open your van or if a client sees in your van and it's all racked out properly it looks clean it looks tidy yeah. you know if if you're charging say for example if if you're charging you know a hundred pound a day um you know you can command a particular price for the type of work that you do yeah. uh, but you have to recognize that the, the every aspect of your business has to reflect the pl- the price that you're wanting to yeah. charge. Your van needs to be 
yeah, your van needs to be clean and tidy, your overalls do, um, the back of your van, you know, all of those different things all feed into, you Is know, the, uh, I, I want a particular price to do this work for you. The, the back bumper that's splattered in paint or... I used to work with a friend of mine. He'd open back door and it would ply line. He'd scrubbed his brushes out on ply lining. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Oh, it used to yeah. make my teeth itch, did that. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, why do you need to do it? It's just, right, we're off, let's yeah. come paint. Yeah. You know, it's his present and people look at it and like your back bumper or a tatty van. And for me, my opinion is somebody looks at it and thinks, if that's how you're looking after your own shit, what are you going to be like with mine? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I get, I, I've been told quite a few times that I can't be a painter and decorator because I'm too clean. And my retort to that is, you know, if you were, if you were having an operation and you were speaking to the surgeon and he'd just come out of theatre and he was covered in the blood of all the other operations that he'd done on people, you'd think, blimey, this guy's a bit of a hack and slash kind of surgeon, isn't he? Yeah. But, you know, That's a good analogy. <laughs> <laughs> so do you have any good takeaways that you can give to the listeners um be passionate in what you do um be knowledgeable in what you do as well and keep up with that knowledge um because the 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 trade in essence isn't changing i i always joke with my clients that you know the trade in essence hasn't changed in about a hundred thousand years um but what is changing are the products that we use uh and also we um we're protecting surfaces in, in the long run uh, as well um and just to you know have a laugh and a joke uh, as yeah. as well um going back to protecting the services surfaces can you remember the three th- three reasons why you painted that they ever taught you at college um it was um decoration protection um and i can't think of the third one what was the third one preservation sanitation Pres- and decoration oh right that's what we were always taught yeah yeah three three main reasons for painting yeah so it's, it's just something always stuck in my head <laughs> like i said i think if you're interested say i'm not as knowledgeable as you i'm just a scumbag um I'm no, just a scumbag I, I think the thing is if you're interested in something it sticks in your head yeah you know and yeah it's, it's like my i mean i'm not saying because i went to college of any better but at college i did quite well at decorating but i think i didn't even revise but i think if you're interested stuff sticks it it, it holds with you whereas at school I can't get a shit. I, yeah. I weren't. I weren't thick, but I went mm. interested in trigonometry. Yeah, you look at that. I think where the bloody hell am I using that? Yeah, you know where am I using simultaneous equations? So it won't stick yeah. in your head. You know, you might use now we, jobs. <laughs> yeah, now we've been a decorator. You're like, damn it! I need trigonometry to figure out the square meterage of this wallpaper on this wall. But <laughs> I remember when we when we were at school, we did options. It got to that that time at school, you had to pick your options. And the one lad chose Latin out of the old school year. And it was because right. his mum was the bloody Latin teacher. <laughs> oh, right, yeah. I think, who would want to speak Latin? But obviously now, there's a lot of things you'd need to speak Latin for, wouldn't there? Which is the funny thing, like with me, my, my dad, my dad hates painting and decorating. 
He yeah. tells me of, uh, of a story of our old house in Manchester in the living room when he was redecorating, and he would staple the ceiling paper at one end so that he could sweep it across the ceiling <laughs> without it falling down. My dad hates decorating, and yet yeah. I took it up, and my brother's a, a joiner. So, yeah, um, yeah it's, it, it, it's funny what you do when, you, when your parents do one thing or another. <laughs> coming, coming up to the final few now, uh, you've obviously, it's earlier on, given your age away, so you should remember this, Room 101 style. Oh, yeah. Three, what three would things I put? then down conveyor. Three things. Um, yeah. Don't have to be decorating so, related, just anything. So I, w- I would put, um, okay, just for, um, you know, context, because it's affecting everyone's work. I will put the coronavirus into room 101 if I can do that. So that would be the first thing. Um, Second thing would be the expression, if you can piss, you can paint, which riles me off. Because as a decorator, you realise, yeah, but it's all about the prep work. It's not about the painting. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Or as as someone said to me, um, you know, if you can piss, you can paint. Well, you try pissing for 10 hours a day in a straight line uh, for five days a week in a straight line and see how well you do uh, that that was one thing um and the the third and final thing i think i would uh put it at um uh, cheap drill bits that kind of crumble on the first use <laughs> and and screws you know screws as well Monkey metal you know, screws you, Oh, you know when you take a door off and you just yeah. that there's and there's always that one screw yeah. that just goes ah, yeah bust. Painted podcasts are produced by the Painting Contractors Association and is made possible by members and industry partners. To find out more about upcoming education opportunities or for more information about joining PCA, visit pcapainted.org.